Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Quadcast. I am your host, John McAlevey. Boy, is it good to be back in the producer's chair. We haven't recorded a show in over three weeks now. So it's good to be back in the studio, or as I like to say, my bedroom. (laughs) It's one and the same. For those of you who are new to the show, while this is mainly for folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, it is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. Think of this podcast as your 30 to 45 minute session of OT and PT for the soul. When we last crossed paths, I was joined by the Opportunities Guy, Charles Fleischer, who wrote a book called The Secret of Difficulties, Four Steps to Turn Tragedies into Opportunities. It chronicles people who have, in some cases, created multi-million dollar businesses stemming from companies and or inventions they came up with out of necessity following a spinal cord injury. If you have not listened to our discussion, you can find it and all of my previous episodes on my website, which is www.quadcast.org. And now to the task at hand today. As many of you know, I have been seeking employment for a long time. And way back in December 2019, gee, do you remember back then when the world was the world? I began a dialogue with some friends at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation in West Orange, New Jersey, about me working there in some form or fashion. Well, in January of 2020, we came to an agreement and I was offered a part-time position working not only in peer counseling, but in helping teach spinal cord classes to recently injured individuals. Happy, happy, joy, joy, Johnny Mac was back. Uh, Not so fast. Something we now know as the coronavirus had other plans for my return to the workforce. Yes, while I was supposed to begin working in March of 2020, that was obviously scrapped. Uncertainty gripped the nation, lockdowns were the norm, especially for those of us with pre-existing conditions, which spinal cord injured people certainly have. Month after month led to month after month, and then month after month of being homebound. And not only was my work status taking a hit, but my physical well-being was too. Due to a lack of pretty much any activity, my body got deconditioned. As the old saying goes, move it or lose it rings true, my friends. Still to this very day, I am having a tough time getting around, from one room to another, in fact. I am keeping my fingers crossed that with the better weather here and more therapy, I can perhaps put Humpty Dumpty back together again, at least 75%, to help with confidence and peace of mind. And for that job at Kessler, well, I actually started remotely a few weeks ago, but I am extremely happy to report that this Thursday will be my first on-campus punch-the-clock opportunity. And so this podcast will be titled, Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go. As the old saying goes, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I like to think of myself as a younger, more handsome, just kidding, Dad, version of my father. He once told me that he was in the relationship business, and I like to think I am too. Not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree, but someone who, shall we say, has the gift of gab. I used to tell myself, if I can get an interview, the job is mine. It was the case for any gig I went to before my spill. All that was left for me to decide back then was, what shall I wear on my first day? Well, post-SCI, I too was able to get the few jobs that I went for, but that was when the real work was about to kick in. As someone living with little to no use of my arms, hands, and fingers, I quickly found out that I couldn't just show up and begin typing away on a laptop. 
I needed help setting up a workstation, like finding a chair I wasn't going to fall out of and that I could get up from when the day was over, to downloading voice-activated software on a computer. Little did I know how much planning went into assessing a new work environment, nor did I know there were great people like Kristen Russell out there whose job it is to help make that happen. Kristen Russell is an OTR, ATP, Resna Certified Assistive Technology Professional and Assistive Technology Specialist. My goodness, that title sure is a mouthful. Well, after this break, we will find out not only how she fits all of that on her business card, but how she has been helping folks like me conquer back-to-work issues for almost 15 years. That's next. You're listening to the Quadcast Podcast. This is my new best friend, Esther. She might look like any normal, playful puppy, but Esther's being raised to become a canine companions for independence assistance dog for a person with a disability. To get there, she needs lots of love and care and attention, plenty of exercise, and good eating habits so that she can live a long and healthy life for her future family. And she needs to spend tons of time socializing, learning basic commands like sit and stay, and taken to fun places with lots of distractions so that she can learn to cope in every situation. All of this will prepare Esther for more professional training to become a real assistance dog and a life helping a person with a disability to live more independently. Are you ready to open your heart and home for 18 months to a puppy like Esther? To find out more about becoming a canine companion for Independence Puppy Raiser or about other volunteer opportunities, visit cci.org or call 1-800-572-BARK. Raise a puppy, change a life. You can make a world of difference in the life of a person with a disability. And we're back. Remember, you can find us on a whole host of hosts, starting with Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio Podcast, and a whole bunch more. I know Spotify and Stitcher and SoundCloud. So please check. And if you need to find out more, you can always go to my website, which is www.quadcast.org. Now, before the break, I mentioned that my guest today is Kristen Russell, and I took you through that word salad of a job title. So the aforementioned Kristen is here, and she's going to explain exactly what OTR, ATP, Resna, and so on means. So, Kristen, thanks for coming on, and welcome to the show. Thanks, John. I'm super happy to be here. My yeah. first podcast. Excellent. I know you're an avid <laughs> listener. So. I love podcasts, so this is like so exciting for me. Well, you have arrived uh, to the quadcast because uh, we have time, huh? <laughs> all of about six listeners, my mom and my uncles and everybody included. So uh, we're going to make seven tonight. But actually, why don't we start there? I I've gone over your job title a, a thousand times now, beat it to death. So why don't you tell us exactly what all of that means, the OTR and the ATP and so on? Sure. Well, the OTR part is easy and I'm sure pretty familiar for a lot of your listeners. That's occupational therapy. So I'm an occupational therapist. That's my background. And the second uh, credential there, ATP, is assistive technology professional. So the RESNA, RESNA is an organization that you can um, take a certification test to become certified in assistive technology. So that's what those kind of initials are. It's just giving you a little bit of credibility as an assistive technology professional. As if you need any more credibility, Kristen. <laughs> Oh, so goodness. Well, why don't we start at the beginning like I do with most of my guests? First of all, where did you grow up and what sort of led you down this career path? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Western New York, kind of between Buffalo and Erie. 
kind of like a small town, very, very small town, I should say, a um, little bit more of a rural area. And the big thing for me was summer camp. Um, I don't know if you went to summer camp, John, but it was like my life. So <laughs> I started going to camp right on the shore of Lake Erie, um, a camp called Camp Pioneer. And I went there as a camper, but then I started to volunteer, you know, started to work like in the kitchen and housekeeping. I kind of did all the jobs. And one of the parts of the camp was um, a camp for developmentally disabled adults. So that was really kind of where I got my introduction and kind of what led me down the path to become an occupational therapist. So, you know, I was a counselor there. We usually had two campers and we were with them, you know, 24-7 for, I don't know, five or six days straight. So, you know, we were eating with them. We were helping them in the bathroom. We were helping them get dressed in the morning. We were, you know, taking them to the beach and doing crafts and, you know, singing the songs, all the summer camp things. So I really, that was a really pivotal experience for me. I really loved it. It was kind of about the age where I'm thinking, you know, where am I going to go to college? What do I want to do? And kind of like thinking, okay, well, I think I want to work with people. And my mom is a a reading teacher and she had worked with an occupational therapist at her school and kind of connected us. And I got to shadow them a little bit and thought, yeah, this seems like something I would be happy to do. So (laughs) I'm one of the rare people who like went to college for one thing and, you know, didn't, didn't change course. But um, that's a great thing about the field of occupational therapy is you can do so many different things. There's like a myriad of jobs within that one profession. So, um, I have to tell you not to cut you off, but I had no idea what occupational therapy was. I mean, all, all you see like on television, like on the soap operas and the big shows where so-and-so's in a car accident and then they cut to the family members around the bed and, oh, is Jamie going to walk again? Is he ever going to walk again? No one ever wants to know whether is he going to feed himself or be able to get clothes on and things like that. And I, I found out for someone like me who has very little use of my arms and hands and fingers that occupational therapy was almost more beneficial for me. And so um, I didn't realize that it also morphed into uh, assistive technology stuff, but I didn't mean to cut you off. Tell us now about when you uh, decided that it was what your life was going to be and how you went to college for it. What what sort of, um, you know, what was your major and what sort of courses do you take for that? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to college in Elizabethtown, um, Pennsylvania, Elizabethtown College, kind of like Hershey, Lancaster. Um, area of Pennsylvania. And I majored in occupational therapy. So, you know, I did all of the, all of the courses, learning about the body, um, like a lot of anatomy, physiology, and all of those kind of things. Um, but then like, you know, we did other things like part of OT school, at least when I was going was learning a lot of, um, task analysis. Well, I'm sure this is still a part. This is a really critical part, like learning how to really analyze and break down a task, even a simple task like washing your hands, for example. Um, like there's a lot of skills that, that go into that. So really um, kind of training you to think in detail like that. And I think that really um, serves me well in my current job. Um, and like, even I remember doing like weaving and copper tooling, all of these <laughs> things wow. that I would have had no exposure to in the past, but, you know, occupational therapy, you know, you're working on certain underlying skills, but hopefully doing it in a meaningful way, um, like, you know, a, a purposeful, meaningful way rather than just, you know, an exercise. So, sure. um, 
yeah, so I, I went to school and after graduation, um, you know, I thought I wanted to work with kids. So I worked in a school district. That's actually when I, when I uh, moved to New Jersey and um, worked for a school district. And, you know, did pretty um, standard occupational therapy in schools. But I remember the one thing, this was like early 2000s, um, we had, for students who had difficulty handwriting, we would use these little devices called AlphaSmarts. So if you think like 2002 or something, this is like a really simple, very simple word processor, inexpensive. Right. Um, but I really loved it. Like I was like in the manual. <laughs> I should have known at that time that that was something that I was interested in. But technology nerd, it. technology nerd. Yeah, that was a soft sign. <laughs> But I loved it because it was like, a, you know, some of these kids have been working on these skills for years and years and years. And now here's a tool giving you a different way to do it. And all of a sudden, some of the barriers that you had before are gone. Yeah. So, you know, that was just like a little inkling towards the technology. And then I had the opportunity to work um, at a long-term care facility for kids. So, um, you know, kids were very medically fragile, need, you know, nursing and respiratory care. A lot of them are on ventilators, um, like a lot of intensive needs. And that was a really great learning experience because I was exposed to some different technology there. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, in the early mid 2000s, you know, there's been a lot of growth in technology. So um, actually, that was the place where I first worked with somebody who had a spinal cord injury, um, like a very life changing um experience for me. This was a little girl who had a very high level um, spinal cord injury. And um, when I started to work with her, she had gotten a device called a Joust, which is actually a, mou a mouse that uh, she controls with her mouth. So she was able to use like her lips and her tongue. She didn't have head movement really, but she could totally control her mouse cursor. So that opened up like the world of the computer for her. So it was so fun to see her learn how to send an email and, you know, play a simple game or, or do different things like that. That, so that is awesome. Did that take her, yeah, did that take her a long time to, to master that type of a thing? Um, you know, truthfully, I wasn't there when she first got it, but it didn't look like to me. It was literally, you plug it in, you know, do a couple quick settings and, you know, you're moving it around. So, it's, you know, certainly it was very exciting for her. Um, just, you know, a great way for her to communicate with family and just to do fun things. You know, there's a, there's a lot of downtime for her outside of school, but it also opened up you know, obviously a lot of options for her at school as well. Yeah. So I'll always be very grateful for her because like she really um, changed my life, my whole career trajectory. So, um, yeah. So then I kind of like got the buck. I think that was my first thing. And I was lucky enough to, um, well, part of it was luck. Part of it was work. Uh, like I, you know, I really then kind of figured out this is, I think what I really want to kind of specialize in. So I took some classes at Temple University at the time in assistive technology and just, you know, I went to a conference in Florida and I just tried to learn and soak up as much as I could. Um, so you had you know, the that bug. Led me. <laughs> I didn't have the bug. Yeah. Yes. I was super excited about it. And, um, you know, at the time I was young and energetic and didn't have kids yet and, you mm -hmm. know, could just really devote a lot of time to 
tinkering around with things and Kristen, know, was this a field a was this a field that was just sort of exploding? I mean, was it are you sort of on um, you know, the ground floor uh, um when this is really making its way into uh helping folks with disabilities? You know, it it goes back, you know, much farther than me. When you think about assistive technology, I guess we could back up and just like explain exactly what that is. So you know, in a nutshell, assistive technology is really any item, whether it's a software program or a wheelchair or any number of things that help somebody with a disability, um, you know, be more independent and efficient um, and be able to do their the tasks that they need to do in life. So, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, you were just telling us what really, uh, you led me into my next question. What actually does an assistive technology specialist do? Oh, yes. Okay. So an assistive technology specialist, someone like myself, um, my job is really to help people with, you know, any type of disability. We work with lots of, um, lots of people with all different uh, situations, really to help them to explore, kind of figure out what options are out there, you know, um, kind of like really take a step back and really analyze what exactly is the problem that we're trying to solve. Let's really do that task analysis and really hone in on the problem and then explore some different options, try some different things out. That's super important to get your hands on something and try something out. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully the person would then be able to end up getting the, the tool that works for them. And then it would be um, the assistive technology specialist job to help set it up, make sure it's working, do all that kind of stuff, and then to teach the person how to use it. So mm -hmm. really how to like take this tool and this idea that we have and like put it into your daily practice. But I should just say that assistive technology doesn't have to be something like super involved. You know, we think about technology as like our phones and computers and all this high tech kind of stuff. But like years ago, you know, before I did this work, you know, we didn't have computers, like things were different. So people were, um, you know, making stuff and customizing stuff and doing a lot of like lower tech building. And um, like, I hear stories from coworkers of like things that they made back in the day where, you know, um, you know, I don't do as much of that anymore because we have different options mm -hmm. nowadays. So it can be really a, a diverse, uh, you know, it can be something really high tech and fancy and something really simple and basic. Now, how much, Kristen, of your work is done um, at home on the phone and then how much of it is done on site? Like, will you uh, I know for me, you, when I started uh, down the road with Kessler, you actually came to the building and really helped me out and problem solved. I, I said you'll hear in the beginning when I did my intro back in the day when I would get a job before my injury, the biggest concern I had on my first day was what I was going to wear. OK, mm -hmm. but now, I mean, the fact that my arms and hands, I keep talking about it, they don't work anymore. It's not like I'm just going to show up and, uh, hey, John, here's your laptop. Start pumping out some Excel spreadsheets, you know? I mean, I, I have to know if I'm going to be able to sit down and not fall off a chair. I have to be able to know if, if I can reach the keyboard and if I can't reach the keyboard, if I'm going to use, you know, uh, voice activated stuff. So, so talk about how much of your business is done at home on the computer and how much is actually on site. Yeah. So that's a little different during COVID times, but not during non-COVID times, um, you know, I would generally be working with somebody in whatever setting that they need to use the technology in. So it might be 
at someone's workplace. It might be at someone's home if the tool that they're using is something that they need to use at home or if they're working from home, obviously. Or, you know, I work with a lot of students in school, either, you know, middle school, high school, elementary school, or college. So I would work with them in their environment because things would be different if, if uh, you know, it's really important the environment plays a big role. Just like you said, your desk and, you know, where things are positioned, all of those details really make a big difference. So it's important for me to see someone in the environment where they're going to be using the tool. Mm -hmm. That being said, with COVID, um, you know, more so, you know, in the beginning in, in 2020, uh, we, we did have to, you know, do a switch and try to um, do as much as possible over Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, that's how <laughs> so we met. Still, Truth be yeah, told, Kristen and I a, met on Zoom. Yeah, still still doing a bunch of that, um, you know, but there are times when you just can't, yeah. you know, you really need to see there and get your hands on and be moving things around and really getting a big picture. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, sometimes we just need to, you know, do all the precautions and uh, and uh, meet in person, yes. obviously being as safe as possible. But that being said, a lot of it is a conversation, you know. Um, you know, I ask a lot of questions. You know, sometimes it takes it takes a lot to really get down to the nitty gritty because mm -hmm. if you don't really understand what the situation is or what the problem is, it's it's hard then to match it up with a tool that's going to work in the long run. So, uh, you know, I do spend a lot of time on the phone. I ask a ton of questions yeah. and, um, Gotta you know, be and thorough. I also, <laughs> yeah. I also, I also spend a lot of time on the computer, you know, typing up reports and looking, looking up information, researching things, looking at different products, you know, asking questions of other professionals, you know, watching YouTube videos. That's a big part of my job. You know, technology, you're never going to know it all. So you got to keep learning. <laughs> got to keep learning. Well, Kristen, right. Kristen Russell, Certified Assistive Technology Professional, is my guest today. And Kristen, what are some assistive technology tools that might help someone like myself with a spinal cord injury return to work? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think the big thing, like the big thing that I address with a lot of people is... Um, computer access. Like how is, how is somebody with a spinal cord injury going to be able to use the computer as independently as possible and as efficiently as possible? So, you know, when you're working, you want to be able to get your work done quickly and efficiently. So that's a super important thing. So some of the things that I would think about are really exploring different mice and different keyboards. So there's so many options out there. So um, you know, with somebody who has some arm movement, I would explore um, maybe possibly using uh, a, a trackball. Those are super, super um, popular. They work really well for a lot of people because they really don't require any finger movement, but they can, um, you know, use arm movement to move around. I have around. one and I love it. Yeah. yeah love yeah. it. Love, love, love it. Yeah. I'll just do a little name dropping. I do love Kensington trackballs. I think they're really, really, there's a lot of them, first of all, and they have some really good features. So not to go too in detail, but, you know, they have some programmable buttons that can take the trackball up a notch. Um, and Kick it really up a notch. Easy. I have the Kensington. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that can, you know, little things can add up to make things more efficient. So 
um, and different keyboards. There's all sorts of different size keyboards. You know, there's ones with bigger buttons. There's really small ones or more lightweight kind of portable ones, ones with mice built in. Um, one thing that I, I think it works really well for some people is if they have already found um, a really good way of driving a power wheelchair, so some type of joystick or uh, wheelchair driving controls, sometimes you can use those controls to access a computer. So if you've already put in the work and gotten, you know, really figured out the positioning of a joystick, sometimes you can emulate that and just use that tool to access the computer, which can be really nice. Um, and kind of like I mentioned before, when I talked about the little girl that I worked with, um, you know, in the past, she was using the the, the um, mouse that she controlled with her mouse. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of great options out nowadays for different head mice. So that would be a mouse that someone is controlling with head movement. So um, there's one called the glass house. Okay. And uh, that's kind of like a glasses frame. Yes. Um, this and, is, you know, this is completely different than head lice, right, Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> completely different than oh, head lice. Boy. These are, these are, are, are good things. Yeah, but um, I digress. Yeah. So if somebody has some head movement, that, that is enough to, um, you know, to control a mouse on the, on the screen. Um, you know, there's also technology out now where people can control, the screen with their eyes. That's called eye gaze technology. So that's pretty sophisticated. That's pretty high tech um, technology, but there's a lot of people that use it and use it very effectively and efficiently. So um, lots of cool options, but I would say my number one um, go-to would be Dragon software. So Dragon Naturally Speaking or Dragon Professional individual is what it's um, sold under now. So that's the software I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with, where you can talk um, into the computer and it will type for you. Dragon's been around for uh, well before I started this job. Um, and there's constantly new versions and new changes uh, and improvements. And it's a very, very robust program that can go very in depth. So for somebody who, even if, you know, we figure out a great trackball to use or a great keyboard, typing can still be a slower process if part of your job is to send a lot of emails or write up documents or take notes. Mm -hmm. So that's where Dragon kind of kicks in to really help you be able to type much more very quickly. Especially type faster than a lot of people can type. Right. You know? Especially if you only have two fingers that open up out of 10. Yeah. Like myself. And I have been a uh, a Dragon user for many, many years. Um, and you actually helped me uh, put the newest version into my uh, my work computer just uh, just a little while ago. So that was yeah. that was huge. How about what are some assistive technology tools that might help someone be more independent in their home? Sure. Lots of cool, lots of cool stuff there. So I would say in the home, probably the one of the most impactful things um, that people might be a little less familiar with would be to really start to explore some of the smart, smart, um, smart home type of things, excuse me. So that would be, um, you know, being able to control your lights, control your thermostat, unlock your doors, um, all sorts of things you can do just by giving a voice command. And it's really affordable. Um, you know, it's just out there, just on the market. You know, you could go to 
Best Buy or I'm assuming you could go to Best Buy. I'm, I probably would go to Amazon, but there's options <laughs> all over the place. So those would be things that would work with a Google Home or an Amazon Echo, you know, Alexa. You could say, Alexa, turn on my lights or um, anything like that. So that's um, relatively low cost and um, fairly easy to set up. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, it just adds a lot of convenience to their life. But for somebody with a spinal cord injury, it could really provide them with a lot of independence, a lot of control over their environment. Yeah. So um, it's very exciting because that's all relatively new stuff, you know, so it's just going to get better and more ro- robust and easier to set up from here on out. So that's really exciting. Um, that is the next frontier. Yeah, that's the next frontier for me. I, I really need to look into that. Question on yeah. that, if you're, if you're sort of familiar with some of those things, can you say, Alexa, prepare dinner and will that does that happen or no? As a bachelor, I'm asking for a friend, actually. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I do see Alexa-enabled microphones. Or, I'm sorry, not microphones, microwaves out there. Okay. And I see Alexa-enabled refrigerators, but I don't think they quite go that far. Okay. So, okay. As you, know, I said, you might be able to see Alexa DoorDash me some, <laughs> That's you know, true. Yeah. whatever your favorite restaurant sure. is. <laughs> how about, Kristen, can you share with us a story about someone and how assistive technology helped them get back to work? Oh, sure. Sure. I can give you a couple of examples of, of um, some situations. So I can think of uh, one gentleman that I worked with who worked in a, a big office building. And, you know, I, we were kind of looking at accessibility, which is something we haven't talked about a, a whole lot. But he, he was very lucky because his building was very new. So it, you know, it had the wide doorways, it, it had elevators, it had door openers on the front of the building. So it was really pretty easy, except for the fact that there were doors getting into his, uh, his office. So that was an easy, uh, relatively easy fix, I should say, of just adding some you know, push buttons, and that allowed him to be able to come and go uh, very easily and independently without having to rely on somebody else for help. I'll, g- I'll give you a couple. Can I give you some more? Absolutely. Scenarios? Sure. Okay, cool. I can think of another um, gentleman that I worked with who um, was actually working from home and you know, we worked on a, a couple of different things like related to computer access, like, you know, using a dragon and that kind of thing. But one of the things that stands out for me is he was using a desk and, you know, just a pretty standard desk, but he would alter between a manual wheelchair and a power wheelchair. Um, and, you know, a lot of desks aren't, aren't uh, super accessible. So he had run into a problem where he was actually getting um, some skin breakdown from you know, something underneath like a bar or something underneath the desk that he wasn't feeling because he didn't have sensation, Mm. Uh, but, you know, could really cause a lot of problems there. Yes. Um, So, you know, one of the things that we looked at that just worked really well was a desk that had some height adjustability. So that's a really good thing. And, um, you know, these desks, you know, standing desks are sort of a craze right now. A lot of people are into them, which makes them a lot more affordable and available. So, you know, finding a desk that has some height adjustability, even ones that are electric and you can just push a button and it will raise and lower, um, are, you know, you can find them, you know, online for pretty affordable prices and they'll last you a really, really long time. So each time maybe your positioning changes or you get a different chair, you can just tweak your, your desk height along with it. And, you know, the tools are part of the, you know, part of, 
you know, assistive technology would be getting the right tools, but also positioning and where you're putting the tools. That's like really super important. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't think about like that, but it's so true. I know that, uh, you know, when we did our eval, those, those desks that move up and down, I didn't know they existed. Um, and, uh, they actually have that there at Kessler. So that, um, certainly helped me out. And then I was online and looking at stuff. There's a million different things out there, as you said. You, if you're if you're willing to put the work in and do the research, you know you can you can do it at home. But having someone like you that's a professional is uh, much more advantageous, I would say. And last one from me, Kristen, is how can people out there find out more about assistive technology that might help them or their loved ones? Sure. Uh, one resource that I would point people in the direction of is to look um, and figure out where their state's technology lending center is. So each state has an Assistive Technology Act program. Um, And I'll give you a website here. It's pretty short. It's www.at, like assistive technology, three, like the number three, center.net. So www.at, the number three, center.net. And there's a button on there to find your state. Um, So each state would have an AT Act program, which could give you resources for assistive technology in your state. And as part of that, each state would have its own technology lending center. So um, I work at a, I, I guess I didn't say this before, I work at a nonprofit agency called Advancing Opportunities in New Jersey, and we house part of our state's technology lending center. So we have lots of different equipment, you know, the things I mentioned and much, much more. And um, people are able to borrow it. So, you know, as long as you live in the state, you would want to contact your state's, your particular state's um, lending center, but you would be able to borrow equipment from them. Uh, The way ours is set up, it's, you know, no cost. You kind of let us know what you want to borrow. We would ship it out to you you borrow it for four to six weeks. We give you a return shipping label. So it's, you know, totally no cost. And it's just really helpful to be able to try a couple of different things, really hone in on what is the best option that's going to give, you know, you, you the most independence and ease of use uh, before you go out forking out a lot of money. Right. So um, I think that is a really important resource uh, for people to tap into. And, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, you know, just Googling, researching. Um, you know, I'm cons- I Google stuff all day long. I'm sure you Google a lot of things, but, you know, we don't all have to you know, invent the wheel. So we need to ask lots, lots of questions, you know, talk to our OTs and PTs, go to Google, go to YouTube, listen to a wonderful podcast like this one. Yes. Hey, and, now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the other thing that I've been, really been doing lately is tapping into social media. So instead of just you know, following people that actually know in my real life, following mm-hmm. people with different types of disabilities and really learning about their day-to-day life and yeah. some things that they use. And it just, uh, I think, helps me to think of things that I I might not have thought of before. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think that's a great resource we can all tap into. <laughs> it certainly is. One of my previous guests on a show a couple back was a gal named Jenny Smith. And she's amazing. She has her own YouTube channel, JennySmithRollsOn.com. And she does everything from like shows uh, how she's cooking things. And she she just does uh, stuff about bowel and bladder, which is not the easiest 
you know, topics to talk about, but she puts it all out there and is an, is an amazing resource for, for folks like myself in the, uh, you know, disabled community, much like yourself, Kristen Russell, certified assistive technology <laughs> professional. I want well, to, yeah. It's I wanna, helpful for professionals too, you know, like sure we is. don't know everything and it really helps to see, you know, I, I started following Jenny, um, on Instagram after you, after you talk to her to her on her podcast. And, you know, it's, it's just really helpful to get that very cool kind of like Instagram stories. Yeah. You know, people can help people out. A friend in need is a friend indeed. I always like to say, and, uh, and that will wrap it up. I want to thank Kristen, first of all, for, for all your help with, with getting me back to work. Um, all the phone calls and emails for your, uh, guidance for your friendship and, uh, the ship leaves town on Thursday. My first day, I have to learn how to, punch the clock. I don't know how to do that with my, you know, hands. I'll probably drop my ID on the floor and have to have somebody help me pick it up. But uh, I will be sure to get back to you Thursday night to let you know how it goes. And, and then when I am being fitted for my corner office and mahogany desk, you will be there to uh, to celebrate that as well. Uh, I'm so excited for you. I'm sure they're, you're going to do a great job. You are an excellent resource. You're so easy to talk to, such a genuine person. And, um, you know, you're just going to fly there. I have a feeling. The check is in the mail, my friend. Kristen, again, <laughs> thank you for coming on. And and for those folks that want to learn more, Je uh, I'm saying Jenny, because I was just talking about Jenny Smith. Kristen gave that great email address, and I will try to link that on my website as well. But uh, thank you again for coming on and all you do for our community, Kristen. Thanks so much, John. It was fun. Fun it was indeed. Thanks again to assistive technology specialist and my friend Kristen Russell for joining us this week. Can't wait to put all of her excellent ideas into good use starting Thursday. A tip of the cap to Chris Parapesco, my mix master back in the shop at Lime Studios TV in NYC, and a big thanks to you for lending me an ear. Once again, I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. I don't care about no I got so much left to do.